Hey, come on in. Welcome to the Dutch Hall. I got a chair for you, and a big armchair for two of you to curl up in, and a rocking chair for those who like to rock. I'm doing that stupid opening, eh? <laughs> it still sucked at the end of it all, too. I did that. I, I thought of that opening yesterday because I thought Mike is my age, and I thought you'd really like the reference to the Friendly Giant. And then we tried this podcast. This is our third time trying to get it right. This time, it's going to be right. This time is going to be the right it's, one. It's, it feels so right. <laughs> this is unprecedented. We've never had this many. Uh, can you just try to turn the gain down just a touch? On on, uh, on, which one? on both the mics there, okay, okay. especially mine. Well, welcome. This is uh, the, the, you know, turn yeah, you right down. The, there there you go. Thank you very much. This is the first of the fourth episode of Live from the Dutch Hall. Thank you very much for everyone that's returned. Um, today uh, we've got I got the help of uh, Mike Ostachuk, a good friend of mine. He's uh, helping me run the board today, and uh, we just know I just noticed that I was having too many technical difficulties on the first three, and uh, I thought. You know, if I have any chance of getting this right, I need some help. So thanks a lot, Mike, for coming in and giving me a hand. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Pete. Thank you. Great. So I wanted to, uh, first of all, thank everyone for listening. And uh, thank you for uh, listening to my previous episodes. Um, when I started this thing, I never really thought um, what, I would, what would happen. I didn't know at all. I was just kind of thrown into the wind. And uh, just as a kind of a social experiment, really, to... Uh, see what would happen if you go from not being at all on the internet to all of a sudden throwing yourself right into it you know hold on a second i need to wet my whistle uh, sorry about that um so i did it i started out and uh got a couple people to listen and uh then they have these stats that i can get on my server on podbean which is what i use and uh you can look at what how many people are watching and where in the world they're from and it's really neat. I started to get right into it because I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. Excuse me. And uh, so um, it's kind of neat. I've seen people from mostly Canada and the United States, but there's some people from China and some people from, uh, I got uh, Germany, Great Britain, Ireland. and That's incredible. Yeah, it's just neat, eh? Like there's the United Arab Emirates. Uh, I had one hit from them. You know, you see that stuff and you're just like, this is really cool that you can really um, reach all around the world with this, you know, and I understand like there was some from Bangladesh and India and some of those are spam bots or something that are trying to just, I don't even know what they're trying to gain from this whole thing, but there's some robots that are also listening from other countries and I hope those robots like it too. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really understand. So this is the uh, fourth episode, as I said, and uh, I think there's the first eight that you do, you're considered to be new and noteworthy, or I think you're new. And then uh, if you're noteworthy, you must have to be good or something. Uh, is that is that like uh, Fast and Furious? I don't know. Yeah. You were one or the other, or can you be both? Um, I think you could be both. Yeah, well. I think. I, I think, uh, yeah, I'd like to be new and noteworthy until I'm not new anymore, and then I just want to be noteworthy, I right. suppose. But uh, that's a little bit harder to do. Right now, I can just hang my hat on new, because anyone can be new, right? So, um, anyhow, uh, I'd like to just kind of 
talk about the first couple episodes because at first we started out and uh, I wanted to make it as good as I could. And then everyone you kind of try to make better. I had Chargers on the first time. He did a great job. And then I had uh, a full-blooded uh, Van Dyke on the, the second time, which was a, definitely a step up. You know, if Chargers' feelings are hurt, it's because uh, it's true. And I'm sorry, you know, but it's true. And then we had on our first Wikipedia guest last week, Ryan Vandenbush. And uh, we got into a conversation about Wikipedia and what it took to be on Wikipedia and that whole thing. And right. I, th- I said, what is it like? Who could get a Wikipedia page that can a really good accountant have a Wikipedia page or whatever, you know? And so what happened was one of my listeners had made me a Wikipedia page. And Pete Van Dyke was on Wikipedia for a period of time, right? For, for how long? I think it might have been close to an hour. Okay. Maybe two, but an hour or two. It wasn't very long. <laughs> and they took me off. Do you want to know why they took me off, Mike? Mm. Do you know? I have no idea. Well, they took me off because they said uh, they had a reason. To sum it up, it was because they said I was insignificant. I was insignificant. And I had to be wow. significant in order to be on Wikipedia. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe that? You, you were like you were a blight on the, on the landscape of Wikipedia. Yeah, not significant enough compared to Kim Kardashian or wow. uh, whatever else is on there, right? But I'm not significant, so I thought I'm as significant as anyone else. I think everyone should be able to have. That's a wo- like that's really high school. Yeah, it is. Isn't like it? you know, you know, you're, 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 you're not. Oh, the jocks get to be on Wikipedia, right? That's that's right. Yeah, but not the nerds, right? Not no, the no. not the people that are plugging away in society. We can't be yeah. on Wikipedia. This is not right. Yeah, no, they're they're the ones that uh, crash Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they want, they're the ones that take it down. I don't want to look. I don't want to look at those other like corporatized, spoon-fed celebrities. I want to look at just regular people. Sometimes, you know, that's because uh, you can always relate to the human condition when when you just talk to regular people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I'm more interested in. I think it's a dying breed. I think there's a there's a certain element of the population right now who like this form of media, who like podcasts, because they are similar minded or they just like it because it's something that rings true to them more so than the other crap that they're watching and listening to. Sure. Would you, you agree with that? Um, yeah. I mean, you mean compared to like reality TV stuff like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Reality TV and even the music business or, you know, uh, just television programs in general and the news, like the news on TV, like it's, uh, it's all just so contrived and phony and bullshit. It's got a, it's got a, a fucking, corporate agenda most of the time you know everyone's look worried about the money that's what's the thing about the internet right now like the most of the podcasts that are successful or most of the art that's being put on youtube or whatever on the internet it uh you don't even have to be uh the best stuff the most successful stuff they're putting it out there because there's they're not thinking of the commercial gain of it sure they're doing it because they just like doing it right and it's a lot of times it's a gift they give to their uh you know, whoever they're, they're forming a relationship with or the community they build. And then they can then feel free to say, plug their gigs or sell their products or whatever. It's just a different way to do business where you're not doing it under the big corporate guy umbrella. You know, you're doing it on your own. Right. Right. That's what I like about this whole, this whole thing. Like to me being kind of a anti-corporate guy, you know, this is right up my alley, you know, like this is a uh, perfect for right. me. Right. Anyways, I want to go back to Wikipedia I'm insignificant, so 
I, I took exception to that. So I called, I, uh, I formed a uh, complaint or whatever. I, I, I tried to. Uh, a a wick complaint? <laughs> yeah. I went in. It, you have to do it. It's hard to do, too. You got to register and right. go through all this trouble. And then you finally, you register your, uh, you appeal it. You appeal the decision, right? So I appealed the decision and I got a response here from. Yeah, from uh, who? His name, this guy's name, where is he? Jeez, uh, I can't even find his name here. Jim Bleak, J-I-M-F-B-L-E-A-K. It's a capital J, you know. He's that's his Wikipedia name, right? Right. And he's like the policeman of Wikipedia. Okay. Right. So he tells me he's what a, he's like the the Wiki Five O. Yeah, he pulled my right. account. So he he's the one that deemed me insignificant. So this is the guy I need to talk to, right? Okay. So he he sends me back a response. He says, hi, thanks for the message. I deleted the article because it did not provide independent verifiable sources to enable us to verify the facts. And uh, it, it doesn't show notability guidelines. That's what they call it. That's the insignificant part, notability guidelines. I am not notable. So um, da, 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 da. it says, uh, I can't even see a claim for notability. Apparently, the facts that were given were he's a farmer likes bowling and looks at paintings and looking at paintings and has a website, right? Looking at paintings. Yes. It's, he's a farmer. He likes bowling. He likes looking at paintings and has a website. Now that's paraphrasing the, uh, the article about me. The article was beautifully written by one of my listeners okay. and it said that I, I like to sit in the Dutch hall right. and look at, uh, paintings, paintings of beautiful women, okay. which, uh, Ryan Vandenbush claims were naked women, which they are not naked women. They're pinup girl arts from like the from like the forties and fifties, you know. It's a they're all like good girls who are in a bad situation, like something bad happens to them, right? They, they were just they were just trying to make money to to uh, put themselves through college. Yeah, these are nice girls. Like That's every right. single one of the girls that are on my wall here, they're like, you know, like nice family women and like wholesome girls. But like a, a, a strong breeze just blew their skirt up, and you can see a little <laughs> bit of their panties, you know. That's, you know, yeah, that's... Uh, it's tastefully done. That's, that's very, you know, a coincidence. Yeah, well, I, don't, I think it's beautiful art. I, I love it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. And I catch a lot of grief for it in the Dutch Hall, especially from guys. I, it's not girls. It's guys that do it. They come out here and they say, you know, you, you have two daughters. Like, are you sure you should have those pictures up? I'm like, well, it's beautiful art. It's like someone painted that. It's hard to do. It looks great. I think those women are just are beautiful, you know? I don't see there's anything sexist about it. And the girls that come out that look at the paintings, I give them my point of view, and they usually agree with me. This, <laughs> this sounds like a family argument. I, I don't know. I've, I've, I plead the fifth on this one. You don't want to get involved with it? What do you think of them? You like them? Um, you know what? I, I would say that, you're, uh, that the Dutch Hall is tastefully decorated. Well, thank you. I have to take that as a great compliment. I try to set a certain ambiance in here. Yeah, it does. You know, certain uh, certain shows have like uh, a studio up in the mountains with like a lobby with a werewolf in it. Like Joe Rogan's got that. I think. Oh wow, yeah. that's big time. Yeah, that's big time. I got my lawnmower beside me right now. Yeah, <laughs> we, got, we got John Deere X three twenty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing too. Uh, we've done this is the fourth one, and, and we've never really explained the Dutch Hall like what it is for people. I just assume everyone's going to be here someday. That's listening, but there's actually people from outside the area, so maybe they don't know what the Dutch Hall is or why I call it the Dutch Hall. So um, basically, it's my pool house, or like it's where, where my pool motor is, right? 
There's like an old, it's yeah. like, and it's, I keep my lawnmower in here. It's but like a garden shed. It's so much more than that. <laughs> it is so much more because I make it this way. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it, I call it the Dutch Hall because in the community that we're from, in Norfolk County and Delhi in particular, the town of Delhi, beautiful Delhi, um, they have halls. They have uh, four halls, I think, now. They have the, the Hungarian, the German, the uh, Belgian, and the um, Polish, I think. Yeah, the Polish. So um, they don't have a Dutch hall, and I'm of Dutch descent, Van Dyke. So I thought we need a Dutch hall. So I christened this place the Dutch hall, and that's why we have one now in Delhi. And we catch grief in Delhi, the Dutch do, about not having our own hall because they say we're too cheap to have our own hall, and that's why we just sponge off the Germans and the Belgians and stuff. And that's mostly true. That's mo <laughs> I thought I really thought you were going to deny that. <laughs> it's mostly true. I don't think any of those guys are making shit cans of money over at those halls, but uh, they're great places. They have, they have some good events there. But um, anyhow, uh, that's why we have the Dutch Hall. That's why it's called the Dutch Hall, and it's uh, and it's just basically my shack in my backyard. So um, for those of you, maybe you can paint a little bit of a picture of where we're where we're at right now. So Wikipedia says I am not notable. And uh, then they went on to say that uh, an article written was in a promotional tone. The articles must be neutral and encyclopedic. Uh, examples of unsourced claims present as fact include you have an opportunity to listen to interesting characters. So they actually did a little, a little blurb about my show in the Wikipedia thing where they said you have an opportunity to listen to interesting characters, you know, talk in the, in the, you know, in the Dutch hall that... And so they were claiming this fellow, Jim Bleak, Jim F. Bleak, says that uh, my guests weren't interesting, which I, wow. he may have. So he didn't wow. just insult me as saying I, I'm not. He insulted all of your guests. All too. of my guests, too. Wow. All of my guests, right. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply offended by him, you know. And then when I went on, I went on to look at notability because I wanted to say, like, what makes me notable? Like, what would I have to be, do to be notable? And it says, it says a whole bunch of stuff. What it says in particular, it says uh, the person who is the topic of bio uh, should be worthy of notice. Therefore, they must be significant, interesting, or unusual enough to deserve attention to be recorded. Right? So what they said was, not only am I not significant, which I can probably say I can, it's probably true. You know, let's face facts. I'm not very significant. But... Interesting. I mean, interesting is a little bit more insulting. They're saying I'm not, not even, I'm I not mean, even interesting. That that's a pretty subjective term. Yeah, interesting. Nobody finds me interesting. Well, I think that's a. That's, I, I think you're interesting, Pete. But at the very least, I'm unusual, right? That's the third criteria. You, you got that going for you too. So Jim F. Bleak says that I'm not just insignificant and uninteresting, but I'm not even unusual enough to deserve attention. So that means I'm so like white, white bread, bland, like I'm just another cog in the wheel, like just a commodity, right? To Jim F. Bleak. That's what he's telling me. Is that what he's telling me? I'm a little offended by Jim F. Bleak, right? So that's what I'm saying is if Jim F. Bleak says I'm not significant enough to get a Wikipedia page, yeah. I would like to take the appropriate steps to set it as a goal mm -hmm. to get my own Wikipedia page. I have to s somehow be interesting more interesting mm -hmm. or more uh significant i suppose or more unusual right either that or, or you could invite 
uh, Jim F. Bleak to the Dutch Hall. Oh yeah. So that he could, you know, you know, verify the facts. Yeah. Right. That because those facts need verification. Yes, they do. Yeah. He, that would be a great idea. In fact, I'm going to take this opportunity on show number four, the Dutch Hall Remix, which I call the Dutch Hall Remix because we have DJ Mike here. And uh, I am going to issue an open invitation to Jim F. Bleak as a guest on the Dutch Hall. Open invitation. And, uh, you know, hopefully, if any of you guys out there know Jim F. Bleak, like, send him my way. I'd love to sit down and chat with him. Maybe we can resolve some of this stuff, right? Good idea, Mike. Now the wheels are in motion. The world is helping us, right? <laughs> but if but if Jim F. Bleak happens to be like about six foot two and about two fifty or so, then uh, you know, please please disregard. <laughs> no, no, I got no, no. <laughs> I got friends. I got friends. We know a lot of people. I got some monsters friends. They'll come over. I actually got a guest next week booked. Uh, Jason Ryder, the guy's a giant. You can, he, he would he would hate up my back against Jim F. Bleak, and I only want to talk to him. I'm not going to cause any trouble. Right, just gonna just gonna defend my significantness. That's all I was gonna do. Anyways, Jim F. Bleak, I will I will have give I'll make you supper and you know we can have a couple of drinks beforehand. Jim F. Bleak, he'd be a great guy maybe to have. You never know. Let's find out his story. So, anyways, that's my Wikipedia. So if anyone can help me uh, figure it out, I would appreciate any help. Just email me at live from the Dutch Hall at gmail dot com. Or uh, just send me a message on uh, Twitter at Dutch Hall, Dutch Hall on Twitter, and um, we can maybe get some of this thing stuff worked out. We can get a victory and get Pete Van Dyke on the uh, Wikipedia page. That's what I want to do. So that brings me to my next point about the show, and that is um, these type of shows I've noticed in the past, like because people generally listen to them going to work, like or uh, I know one guy that's listening to this show. He listens to it. He works in a, drives heavy machinery and he listens to podcasts all day and he listens to my show. And he actually told my brother, he says, uh, I don't care if anyone listens, just keep making them because I like them. Like, I just want, I look forward to the next one each week. That was the greatest uh, piece of um, feedback I've gotten so far yeah, this that's, week. That's really cool. Yeah, it really made me want to do it again on Thursday, right? So, because I made a commitment to do it every Thursday. So, right now I'm just plugging forward regardless of what the feedback is, but I'm not getting really that much of it other than through text or through um, sometimes Facebook comments or stuff like that where people will reach out to me or face-to-face -face, I've gotten people locally that have listened to it and they've given me feedback and that's been good and uh, it's actually helped me reconnect with some uh, people I haven't talked to in a while who've listened to the show and they've really they, they touched base with me so that's been kind of nice about the whole thing so <laughs> I'm enjoying the heck out of it it's some of the most fun I've had you were saying about I ran out of breath there because I'm a little I'm still a little wound up or nervous or something you were saying before that because uh, we were so nervous the first two times we started the show, right? That uh, you were saying like how how many of these episodes do you think you have to do before that you know, wears off? Yeah, you know, that wears yeah. off, you know. And I can tell you, four is not it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It might be more than four, <laughs> but yeah, eventually you'll forget these microphones are in front of you, and it'll become a natural conversation again. But a certain amount of it right now is kind of like uh, still. Ner your nerves get the better of you, and you kind of uh, run run off on a tangent. And well, stuff. I mean, the the microphone it takes up a lot of space. It really does, like in front of your face. Yeah, and I made the decision to buy these kind of kind of cheaper microphones that 
don't pick up as much sound so that right. you, you don't get the sorry like, i wasn't calling your microphone <laughs> but by the way <laughs> it's okay it's okay it's the dutch it was, hall it was people totally at arms it was just a, a really innocent observation <laughs> no no i know it's cheap and i know i am cheap right that's the thing like i everything where i could figure out the best value of every single piece of thing of equipment i bought i did right like i i'm just a i'm a true dutchman but to the stereotype as they come <laughs> anyhow so uh i'm surprised you have a haul yeah <laughs> yeah me too i'm shocked yeah we can get to that too because like it lets me think like you get to a certain point and like for me i don't really uh want for very much like i uh like i i i, I i'm living now beyond what i ever really hoped for myself like as far as comfort i i just never really aspired to m much more that's what kind of got me disengaged with my uh working in the corporate world, you know, it's like, what am I doing all this for, you know, like, is it just for money or is it for something else? Right. So that we were, you sent me a, I would like about Mike, like I asked him in here so he could help me run the board so I can concentrate on the show a bit more and uh, not get so distracted by all the other stuff that's going on. And, uh, so Mike, uh, we were saying, well, what are we going to talk about? And so he actually sent me some homework, which was great. He sent me a, a movie to watch. And uh, what is it called, Mike? I say it wrong every time. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, right? So I, wrote, I watched the wrong one. And then just before we started the show today, we watched the right one, right? And uh, Zeitgeist, there's three of them that are on Netflix. So this is the second one, right? The 2011 one. Yeah, this one was called uh, Moving Forward. Moving Forward. Okay, so we watched this one. And these ones, I watched the first one too, and I thought that one went into like kind of the 9-11 stuff and then got into the, the uh, whole Federal Reserve and banking and, or, and that sort of thing. And it was, uh, that one I, I wasn't crazy about, right? Because uh, there's too, shot uh, too many holes in it, right? When you start reading in, up on some of the stuff and they had some glaring errors that were too too glaring to overlook, you know, once you know, know better. But with the second one, this one was more about... Uh, it talked about genetics, right? Yeah, it's, it started out talking about genetics um, and uh, versus environment and and you know, kind of genetics being used as a as a cop out or a, a scapegoat for people's bad behavior, basically. Right, like if you if you like um, slough it off to genetics, then you don't have to solve the problem. You can just say it's, they're genetically predisposed to do that so that they... Uh, right. And, right. And you don't uh, invest, uh, you know, in resources to um, bother helping people because uh, it, it doesn't matter because it's genetically predetermined. Right. So they were trying to... They were trying to... Get, they got into genetics with the hope to get into talking about behavior and behavioral uh, type of issues and then they started to talk about money and how that that impacted money and the way we live as far as and one of the things they talked about was addiction and how people are are not only addicted to you know alcohol and drugs and stuff they're also addicted to things like work and things like uh, money right sure and then once you figure out the game and that the whole money system is just kind of a game then you can some people like get addicted to that game and they just want to acquire wealth at any cost and whether it be environmental cost or human right. cost or whatever. Well, right? it's, it's acquiring things, right? It's, it's like, um, commitment to, uh, acquisition at, at all costs. Right. And, uh, th that sort of behavior was like, um, 
like seen like if the more addicted you were to that behavior the more you're rewarded for it and the more socially like almost deified you are like glorified you are right yeah i mean it's very like self-reinforcing right right even though it's a sickness and it has horrible repercussions like to the world right and other people right and so um and some of that anyway so that was the gist of it and um it led us to and i see these people the people that are addicted to the wealth and stuff like that like when i worked in the corporate world you'd see these people amongst you, you know, like they we've right. talked about this in the past. Right. And I, I referred to them as, um, there was like ass kissers and, uh, and then there was like the hard workers, like there was the workers and then there was the ass kissers. Right. Right. The ass kissers kind of like politic their way through. They're kind of more addicted to the game. They wanted to play the game, sure. but they really didn't, weren't too interested in the work. Right. And then we're, they were more apt to, do whatever they needed to do to succeed. And they're also more apt to fall into place with whatever the corporate direction was rather than try to improve it. They would just, yeah. So they were going to further themselves through ass kissing, not hard work. Yeah. Yeah. And those people were all, all around us, you know, and a lot of them did have very high positions in the companies that I'm, that I had experience with. And, uh, you would see them, they, you could smell them. Like they, sure. you, they had a certain look to them, you know, like sure. they just, the, greasy douchebaggery like just oozed off of them you could just see it right yeah and uh then you'd see the guys and i i like to believe that i wasn't one of those guys right there was (laughs) i i I believe i wasn't one of those guys i don't think there'd be many people that would argue i was (laughs) yeah no i i don't can't see that yeah yeah i did not um, i knew the game i knew you had to play it like there was things you had to do but i wasn't I would I would do it tongue in cheek or I wouldn't do it at all. Like I would either say like, "Watch, I get myself into trouble at work," you know, and you'd be like, "Watch, I can pull corporate bullshit to get myself out of out of it." Just watch, you know. Like uh, I'll say some flowery corporate words, and then they'll all like congratulate me and like thank me for my contribution. Yeah, right? like you got to hit the the buzzwords, right? You got to hit the keywords. Yeah, they want you to speak their language, right? They take yeah. everything from you. Like when a corporation wants you to work for them, they want you to like fall into place follow their one singular vision and like just keep doing it the corporate way because somewhere up in in the corporate office or in ivory tower or whoever's making the decisions they had meetings on meetings about this and they decided this is what's good sure right and meanwhile the people who are on the ground doing the work like making the money or bringing in the doing the operations you know if you're in a, a factory the guy's building this stuff you know they they do it different like they know that the best way to do it is to do it this way but the corporate way is like sure. a different one. And sometimes, especially when you're in sales or when you're in a service type industry, you don't know every individual you deal with, you have to deal with differently. And if the, if the, the corporation wants you to act one certain way and everybody uses the same language, the same spiel, the same, certain people hate that, you know, like right. guys like me would hate that. Sure. And so like, you're not supposed to be like that. So what you'd have to do is walk a line where you would do what you really knew you had to do yeah and then you would do what they wanted you to do right sure so you'd have to walk that tightrope and the certain people those those kind of like ass kisser guys would toe the line on the corporate side like by the letter right right and that's why a lot of them weren't good with people because they didn't know how to adjust their behavior to so they ended up just they sucked at their job right they're they horrible but they still got promoted because they were like furthered the agenda of the other people that wanted to promote their career and they weren't going to cause any trouble. And the people that were trying to like 
say your ways is wrong you should do yeah. it right they were the ones that were kind of held back you know right. but they were also better at sales and they're better on the ground because they knew how to relate to the people right which is why they were successful in that role and then they didn't want to move them up the company because why would we move them up they're successful there sure right? sure gonna, i have to it's gonna be hard to replace that person right right so it's this whole i hated it you see the game going on you realize you get so far with it and you're like why am i playing it anymore like right for for the money like for the pension or what the you know it's all this fucking trap right they're just trying to get you all hooked on your pension and hooked on your benefits and the easy money that's coming in every week and you don't really have to work that hard because these companies are fat with way too many people and they're doing they're finding other ways to cut corners and you just end up getting trapped in a in a rut forever and if you don't figure out you can get out of it then you never will yeah right oh for sure um i i, I you know what i mean because you had told me about some of this stuff before and um i think my favorite part are about some of your um you know people who were like your nemesis oh yeah like there was there was one guy in particular yeah i won't mention his name actually i might he might be a listener i'm not sure if he's a listener or not because i see some from the town he's in like listening i'm like i wonder if that guy's listening right and I, actually it ends up that this guy ended up turning is a good news story with him so i'll uh, if he is listening i don't care but <laughs> i'm not gonna use his name but this guy was my nemesis right i always referred to him as my nemesis because he he epitomized what I thought was this little like corporate ass kisser kind of guy, which I didn't care for at all. And I'd like to and I like to exercise. He was uh, younger than me and newer in the company, so I like to exercise whatever minute power I had to just make his life a little bit more difficult because he really bugged me, right? And so I used to always mess around with him. I can't tell you. I'm so sorry for putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my turn's coming. Like yeah. <laughs> You can't stop the show anymore either. You have to put up with it. I apologize. <laughs> I got one in the bank on you. Oh no! <laughs> no, it's all right. He people, but he, the guy, the guy. I ended up working with the guy at the end of my career. I, I tormented this guy for years. I never cut him a break. Like even to the point where I had this young girl I worked with, who I really respected and, and liked working with. She was she was just dynamite. I think she was a real smart girl, and I I enjoyed working with her. And uh, he came into her office one day. And she kind of called me on it. She says, hey, so-and-so's here, you know, like, where are you talking so big? You know, you got to talk to his face. You always say, you know, anything you're going to say to somebody. <laughs> and that's the thing. When you ask me, I'm like, well, uh, Dutch Hall or not, like, yeah, yeah. if you're not going to say something, I don't want to say things behind people's back. You know, if, yeah, I'll own up to it. You know, if I have to put up with crap over this, I will, right? That's right. So, anyway. Yeah, you got to stick to your guns. Yeah. Because I'm telling you so much about him. Everyone's going to know I'm talking about who knows the guy. But anyhow, uh, he's, uh, he and I ended up working with him. Anyways, that girl called me on called me uh on on it so i ended up feeling like i was challenged you know like i had to go out there and say something <laughs> so of course i did i made a real stink and made the guy feel like just a piece of heat crap and i felt bad bad i tortured him so much but it was uh <coughs> i don't know i kind of got so he said something about where he was rubbing in my face that he was kind of at a higher position than me because he had kind of weaseled his way up to a position that was maybe arguably higher than mine you right know? right and it's he, not, he had like the better corner office or like his well, yeah he was in a different division which okay whatever it was so he was like his windows were bigger maybe i maybe. think he had a he just had a different view than me yeah okay i liked my view i like norfolk county so to me i was in my i was in my glory eh, looking out my window so so anyways uh he uh i i went off on him and i made a real stink and he ended up coming i think i apologized to me you know i think i might have offended you pete and all this stuff and i said well don't worry about it 
he uh I ended up working with a guy later on and uh I he was so afraid that uh I I believe that there was a healthy competition there cuz we weren't really friends and we knew about it we talked about it and uh he said uh that I think he really worked hard and then by the end of it he turned into one of those worker guys that he's flipped he went from being one of those butt kissers to being one of those Guys, I, I respected him by the end of it all, but I think working with him, I was kind of challenging him so frequently that maybe it, maybe it affected him. Maybe I, I'm just thinking too much of myself, but I, I like to believe I, help, I uh, turned that guy around. But the bad side of that is eventually he's going to realize the whole game is bullshit, and he's going to want to get out of there. Because <laughs> you can only take so much. It is a lot more work if you're fighting the corporate beast all the time than if you just fall in, a pl uh, in the line, you know? <coughs> well, sure. Yeah. Makes like, sense. You got to do your whole job. Plus, you got to like be angry all day and yell and That's argue right. with your, you know, managers and stuff like that. Put up, put up with resistance everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier just to fall into place and smile and you know do just enough just to get by. You know. Sure. And when you go out anywhere, you go to a, a store, or restaurant, or anything like that, and you see a waitress or that just doesn't give a shit. You know, like she just doesn't care at all. And. uh you try to argue. Like, I went to a, we went out to the, a play on the weekend with my family. And uh, went to see Les Mis. My kids love Les Mis, right? So we went to see Les Mis. Yeah. And uh, it was great. We went to this restaurant afterwards. And uh, I thought it was a, like a big holiday, you know. It's uh, kind of like a, something we were looking forward to. It was a Christmas present to the kids, you know. And uh, so we went to a restaurant. I decided I'd have a cocktail. You know, I'd have a, a Manhattan. I wanted to get a Manhattan. So I don't have them very often, but I thought I would have a Manhattan today. That's pretty classy, Pete. I thought so, too. I was like, I was excited about it. We were in the big city, you know, in a big metropolitan city across from a theater. I'm all fancy today, right? Mm. It's a far cry from, like, the Dutch Hall. So I'm going to order a Manhattan be fancy, right? And the, the lady brings me out a glass that looks like rye on the rocks. Like, it's just rye. And I'm like, this isn't a Manhattan. Like, I ordered the, the drink of fucking seven bucks. It should, it should have a cherry in it, and it should be red. And it's like a brought out in a tumbler, you know, like it's a it's a cocktail, right? Yeah, well, it's it's usually uh, sweet vermouth, sweet vermouth, which is red, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's red sweet vermouth, yeah, and uh, bitters. Yeah, there was no bitters in this. No, and then there was no cherry. It's supposed to have a maraschino cherry too. Yeah, I know for sure. That. So I say to her, "What is this?" And she said to me, "It's uh, Manhattan." I go, "No, it's not." Like she goes, "Oh, it just doesn't have a cherry in it." I said, "But no, it's." supposed to have red vermouth in it like sweet vermouth it's yeah. it's going to be red it's not going to be the color whiskey yeah and she said to me uh we didn't have that so they put in dry vermouth right well now it's a whole nother drink oh for sure right but i don't want to be a dick about it like i'm in you know i'm like I, yeah so i'm like ask it but i asked all the questions and now the woman's all mad at me and i said not nah. i said she goes i'll take it away i'm like no nah, i'll drink it like whatever i'll drink it but it's not a manhattan you can't call it manhattan like i was stuck on the point that you can't call it a manhattan <laughs> right right so I think I scared the poor waitress off, eh? She wouldn't serve us for the rest of the meal. The owners had to come over. And when they asked me for another drink, I said... Uh, you should have just made, some, made something up. Oh, I told them I, I wouldn't risk it. I said I didn't want to risk it. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even bring us over our bill at the end. We had to beg them to bring us over our bill. They were afraid of me. I kept asking my wife, what did I do? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I was just asking questions. People are like all afraid of it, eh? Yeah, yeah. But fuck, what what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I, it's not a Manhattan. I couldn't get over it. Like I ordered Manhattan. I know what it's supposed to look like. It's not supposed to look like that for sure. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
But like, are you supposed to have a nice fa- dinner with your family? You know, you got your kids there, and you got yeah. like, I got to argue with this waitress who's terrified. And Jane says she didn't speak English, and I'm like, I don't think so. She answered my question pretty good about the uh, fucking vermouth, right? <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, I can't go. Like, that's every single family trip I go on. I think there's a story like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's just hard to find a good Manhattan. Yeah, it is. That's what it brings me to. I got to say, at some point in this episode, today is January 9th, right? January 9th. And tomorrow is my wedding anniversary. So this show will probably drop on my wedding anniversary, January 10th, to my wife, Jane. So I wanted to say happy anniversary to Jane. And I wanted to uh, just really thank her for being a great, a great uh, wife to me for all these years. And uh, I'm so happy that I have her to. Uh, share my life with that's pretty sappy eh but i wanted to say it to her that was that was really nice that was really nice no really happy anniversary thanks i love it eh? when you married her i remember when i married her she was just a little she was just a little girl like we were just kids eh? we were just just really really young when we got married and then now all these years later um she's like such an impressive professional like really smart and together and the only thing she's got going wrong with her i think is just her taste in men so it worked out perfect for me right <laughs> i don't know i think you're you're uh you're a decent guy pete she puts up with a lot of shit though <laughs> you have to admit you know that. what you know what she does she's um, <laughs> yeah i keep expecting her to talk me out of some of my nonsense that i try to do but she never does she's got <laughs> i think she's just must i don't know why she doesn't talk me out of the stuff i try to do but it, it well, you, have, you haven't like lost any limbs yet, or you know. <laughs> no, no. But sometimes she's a little worried about me. I can y- see you her. haven't set anything on fire. I don't think. I almost set my neighborhood on fire. Uh, yeah, two years ago with uh, my candidate party when I set a, a Christmas tree on fire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was dangerous. <laughs> that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I think. <laughs> It was horrible. There was a 30-foot flame come off this Christmas tree. And everybody was just... Normally, we put in... It's a tradition that we have. when Our right. Canada Day party, we burn a... Uh, we save our Christmas tree from Christmas. I save it in the forest behind my house. Right. And then when Canada Day comes, at the end of the fireworks, we take the Christmas tree out of the bush, and we throw it on the fire, and, and it burns because the needles are all dry. And then uh, the kids will dance around the fire like something out of Lord of the Flies, you know? And that's a great tradition that we have, and the kids look forward to it, and they ask me about the tree and not the whole thing. Well, that year was our last year having the party at the place where we've always, at our old house, and uh, we let the, it was dry. It was a super dry year, and we put that Christmas tree on, and the flames went, I swear to God, 30 feet high because my, my little tiki hut thing, that my back shed was about 10 feet, and the flame, I have a picture, the flame is 20 feet higher than it, at least. It's like two-thirds higher than it. And I remember that all the kids ran, ran from the fire. They were going to dance around it. They ran away. <laughs> it was terrible. And we did, all I kept thinking was, like, everything is so dry, I'm going to burn the whole neighborhood down. And holy mackerel. So that was the last fire of that magnitude that I've ever had. Now I just c- cut the top of the Christmas tree off, and we kind of just do the ceremonial one because I'm not going to burn my neighborhood down <laughs> Yeah. The, to any of the neighbors that are worried. <laughs> I'm done with that. I'm done. But no, the, the, and, and uh, so Jane's put up with a lot. So I just want to say happy anniversary, honey. And, uh, and hopefully you can put up with a few more years than me. So we call this show the Dutch Hall Remix. I'm going to fix my microphone here because 
it's no good. There we go. So we call this show the Dutch Hall Remix because my buddy Mike is a he's a DJ. And uh, right, you were a DJ, or you uh, consider yourself always a DJ? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't do it for money anymore, just um, for fun. Did you do it for money, like as a motivation when you started? Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say I ever like that was ever the primary focus. Like, um, I I mean, because I you know DJed in my bedroom probably for the longest time before I ever you know did it in front of people. Yeah. yeah. Um. So no, it was never really about money. Um, I'm sure everybody. <laughs> I'm sure everybody says that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, eventually I, w I ended up working at uh, bars and nightclubs. Um, so how was your, like? What was your first gig? Like, how did you get into your first gig from from DJing? Um, first one actually was um, when uh, when I was away at uh, university. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up starting uh, at uh, the the campus uh, bar there. Yeah, and um, so I uh, I met this other guy who um, was a DJ there. Yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, we became friends, and he basically just kind of you know convinced them to let me come and play because I would go out and and listen to him. Right. And then you know once in a while he'd let me play some stuff oh yeah yeah right and so that's kind of how that happened. and then he gave you a shot on one of the slots or something like that right exactly so you kind of like mentored under this guy or like you sure yeah 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 i mean uh like uh, you know most of the most of the actual you know whatever skills involved was uh, kind of self-taught but uh this guy really kind of yeah um and he gave you an in into the into getting gig like to being paid for it right into doing it you know in front of people Right, and then yeah. when you wanted to like step up, like because you ended up uh, at one point starting to do some pretty busy clubs, right? Right. And so, like, how do you move up through that chain? Like, how do you figure out how to get bigger and better clubs? Do they start to recognize, ask for you, or do you have to go out and solicit yourself? Um, you know what? A lot of it really is about um, knowing people. Like at that point, like, I mean, you have. Uh, a number of people that you know are, are at a certain level um and there's a lot of people at that level right and then i mean the difference between somebody who's got some kind of talent like a lot of people have talent it, the difference is you know sometimes just being in the right place at the right time knowing the right person and uh getting a, a shot right right so see you know and um did you get to the point in your and you doing it that you could say that people started to recognize the talent portion of it where they were then looking for you or was it all more st like still they just need a slot who's open all mics open because um yeah or like was there clubs that were like where you were a draw like were you on the marquee or you know like was it were you on the ticket to get in um yeah there were um i mean there were there were a couple of uh raves that were like that yeah, where they where you're where you were the draw, right? Yeah, right. Well, one of them anyway. Yeah, and and and, and you, those weren't your raves that you put on. There was you, you were hired to do that. Right, right. Usually there'll be a you know um, a production company that'll organize the whole thing, like an event company that'll that'll you know host the event. Right, right. And then they'll just you know hire the DJs. So you must have like some crazy stories through all those years of doing it, like about see you must have saw some stuff like they've been through the war um yeah i mean yeah you see uh 
different, uh, you see a way different, uh, lifestyle for sure. Yeah. Like I, to me, that whole lifestyle, that whole club clubbing lifestyle. Yeah. That kind of club culture. Yeah. It's like so foreign to me. I've only been to a club probably like, I would say five or six times in my life. Like to be honest, it doesn't, this is not my bag. Right. Right. But when I do go there, I'm always fascinated. I usually have a good time. Like, I usually have a good time. Sure. But but uh, I'm usually just fascinated by the people. Like, I can't understand. When you see those guys that do it, like, it's their job. Like, they go there every night. Right. Like, those guys are – I don't understand anything about them. Like, yeah. they're not my kind of people at all. But the I always end up having a good time because of the, ridicu- the ridiculousness of it, you know? Right. Like, um, when in university, it was my first kind of, like, exposure to, like, dance clubs like your disco techs is a disco techs is that what you call them this is um, that the kids are calling yeah i don't know um <laughs> yeah dance clubs yeah. In, the, in the caribbean they call it disco still they still call it a disco oh for sure yeah and they've always got a really nice sign outside of the yeah. one the one at the resort yeah yeah disco yeah for sure yeah and that, that's my elder that, that's one of the, my experiences with disco is the caribbean disco because that's, that's i've right. been to so few where like mambo number five still rules yeah and i had a yeah. great I went to one in the Dominican Republic. It was for my friend's wedding, and uh, they we we went. Uh, it was right after his wedding, actually. It was a reception. We went to the discotheque afterwards, and there was a whole bunch of people from uh, the Food Network, oh, like yeah. a bunch of chefs, celebrity chefs. They were filming something down there, and uh, the girl from Eta Canada, and uh, some of these chefs were. We had a dance off with them in the in the like bullring or whatever. You know where they raise really? the girls to dance in. They had these a great big, you could fit like 10 people in it. So we were in the one and they were in the other. We had a big dance off in there and it ended up being, a, we lost actually. You want to know why two Madonna songs in a row? I can't dance to two Madonna songs. I got all my moves are used up when I vogue for about 30 seconds. Then I'm done. Um, y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever been in a dance contest? Uh, you know what? I, I can't say that I have. No. Well, no. It's my, it was my first. I, and no. We put a good showing in. We put a good showing in. Actually, Chargers was one day on my flank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like dancing in a crowd of people when nobody can really see what you're doing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, you know, and that's why dance clubs are great because there's so many people in, in a big crowd yeah, yeah. that you can just kind of like blend in. Blend in. Yeah. You yeah. just got to move enough that you're moving at, a, you know, approximately the same speed as everybody else. Yeah. But like what you're actually doing is uh, totally irrelevant. Yeah, but that, that's probably why those people are so ridiculous because they have to stand out somehow, right? You can't just behave a little bit different to be noticed. If you want to be yeah. noticed, you got to be you know, like that's probably how the whole twerking started. Was you know someone had to be even sluttier just to get some notice on the dance floor, right? Yeah, but like that's why I really I envy those people who really know how to dance. Yeah, I, mean, I know I don't know how to dance. And I uh, hate it. And I, I'll, uh, I like to slow dance with my wife. And I like to do the odd polka and uh, waltz. I'm like an old man. I'm like an old, like, immigrant. The, so that's pretty, I, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. That's you just, like, the only thing is you don't, you don't always smell like onions. No. 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 Uh, well, sometimes I do. Mostly I do. <laughs> Why? You think immigrants smell like onions? <laughs> <laughs> they just like garlic. Or gar- garlic. Okay, garlic. <laughs> No. Isn't it funny? Well, all the old immigrant foods and stuff that were considered to be horrible are now like the, the highest Super cuisine. healthy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's because people knew how to cook, eh? Anyways, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk a whole show about cooking because it's such a passion of mine. But um, I, maybe I could get a chef on locally, like some a local chef. That would be good to get in here and talk cooking one time. 
my levels are down again. There we go. I think I was just not on my mic. So, so anyways, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, so I have Mike's a DJ, so I thought, I heard something on another podcast I was listening to, and I thought, you know what? I would love to do a Dutch Hall remix where I can take clips from the show and uh, put it to a beat, and I asked Mike if he could do that for me. And uh, you said you could, right, Mike? Um, yeah, uh, 50 bucks. No. Yeah. Remember when you yeah, said you yeah, were going to yeah. put me on the spot? You put me on the spot oh, about yeah. that other story yes. with the guy. I, I got to be careful. Oh, this is payback time. This All is right. payback time. Right. Yeah. You are, uh, so the commitment is here in yes. a, a, audible form that we are going to be working on the first ever piece of production that, uh, we can release called the Dutch Hall remix where we're going to do a clip and a, and a song. We'll play it on a future podcast. I, I would love to put together a series of, of clips yeah to to uh music sure. i'd love it you know that's the great thing we got so much so much talent all around you you know mike's a dentist and a good dentist in town and uh but you don't really know unless you get to know that sit down and talk to the guy he's full of a whole bunch of other gifts and i was so close to the whole medium because i'm not a club guy i'm not a i'm not a like i don't like that sort of music i never listened to it i was like a metal guy and i went into um then i started and now i'm more like you know hard rock uh, not even that, like, you know, like yeah. more like roots. I don't even know how you put my musical taste, but I mean, I like all that stuff too. I think, uh, like to some extent when you like music, I think you just, you like music. Yeah. Like, like and I, you know, you're pretty open to a lot of different styles. Yeah. I mean, everybody has stuff they don't like for sure. Yeah. But like, um, what I like about sitting down with you and talking about music is you're so, your, your perspective is so different than mine that I learned so much about it. Like you told me. That you are like you are more impressed with uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff than you are with the Fresh Prince, is that right? Oh well, for sure. <laughs> like I mean, not that you know, I, I not that I I don't like Will Smith. Like I thought that uh, I thought those songs were pretty clever at the time, but uh, yeah, don't insult Will Smith. No, uh, no, I'm gonna put it out here since Mike's here right now. Will Smith, if you're listening, or if someone that knows Will Smith is listening, I would like to have Will Smith as a guest in the Chelsea. We did it with Jay Bleeker or whatever. I don't, that's right. That's not, right. Why can't I do it with anyone? What about the Pope? Let's get the Pope. Francis. He's a man of the people. Maybe come with the Dutch Hall. If he's in town. Put it you, out you, there. you never know. If you anyone know. knows the Pope. See, I have to act as my own booking agent, right? So I have to... I have to book the show, so if maybe I can. That's that's a maybe a little on the lofty side. Lo but you don't think I can go to the Pope right away? Well, uh, yeah, that's that's more like uh, I think you, you you work up to that one. Yeah, yeah. The Pope has a Wikipedia page, I bet. He, you, do you think? Yeah, I guess he'd be significant enough. He's significant, yeah. yeah. And people are no, notable. People write stuff about him. I guess to be notable, someone has to write a note about you, right? You have to. Okay. I need to be published in some sort. Okay. Like someone has to write an article. What does it mean if you if someone blogs about me? Like mm. that's they're not. It's not even an article. Is that considered to be credible media? If it's third party, maybe it is. Maybe that would be notable. Then we got off topic, big time. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Sorry. What? It, oh, excuse me. I wanted to bring it to. Um, we were we were talking about music. Yeah, music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were talking about music, and I said I was. Uh, we were talking about music, and you said that I was saying that you have a different perspective than I do. And I said that uh, because you like DJ Jazzy Jeff and more than the Fresh Prince, right? That's where I think we were. Yeah, I think as a well, I mean, I I have zero vocal ability, 
Oh yeah. And so that's why it's hard to relate to you know people who do vocals. Oh, it was like a drummer that would think that Neil Peart's right. Best. So I mean, as a DJ, I you know can relate to the skill set that Jazzy Jeff has as a DJ. Right, right, right. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I mean, to hear this guy scratch is uh, it's unreal. You know. And yeah. I and I could listen to it and it just sounds like any other to me. Like I don't hear the differences that you well, hear. Well, right. So and I mean, and that's why it's so good because you know to the casual listener, you don't hear the differences. Right. It's it's only the kind of it's it's only the techies you know that would pay attention to like how he's doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and where where the dividing line is between one thing and, and the next. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there's two kind I think there's kind of like two kinds of DJs. There's like the kind of DJs that come up as club kids that really just that really like the kind of platform that guy's on and they want the kind of they want the shine of it, you know? Right. And then there's other ones that are like the techie kids that are more into the actual technical aspects of making it and doing different things and then get more into the making the right. beats rather than stealing the beats you know for sure i mean um like a really good example of that is, is uh dead mouse mm -hmm. like so i mean you know here's somebody who um w was really good at programming uh synthesizers and and keyboards and you know was was able to uh start creating his own sounds that were became popular yeah yeah you know, but, uh, and that, I, and that was his success because he kind of got obsessed about the technical end of it. But then uh, you look at a guy like say, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paulie D. Right. You know, that's the other side of it. Right. Like that douchiness. I seen Paulie D. He had a good, we had a good time, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, like ridiculous. I don't know what he did. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then there's like different kinds of DJs, right? Like, I mean, so I, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't often, hear jazzy jeff like you know the act like his voice right 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 so i mean he's like mo most of the you know the really good djs are kind of seen and not heard so yeah, much yeah. but dead most does his own stuff um i always just assume it's not the dj well yeah no he doesn't do his own vocals for sure oh he doesn't no, no. um but uh like he, he programs a lot of his own well actually all of his own tracks oh okay yeah but um, so rather than just playing music, he's also making music. Right, right. I mean, and, you know, some people will argue that dance music's not really music. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty weak argument. I mean, I think you have to give it, even if it's not your cup of tea, you just have to, you have to give it its props for the, for the, how skilled you have to be to pull it off. Like, it's still a, it's its own art form. Like when I first saw you, you were in your, we were in your kitchen and you pulled out your old equipment and that's, mm -hmm. and that's the first taste I had of you DJing. Yeah. And uh, you let me play with the uh, turntables and stuff and show me kind of how it all worked. Yeah. And I couldn't believe the amount of, uh, like, musicianship that it took to p pull it off. Like, it's it's no different than learning a guitar or learning a, a harp or, you know, whatever, wherever else you want to play, right? It's, it was, it's really, you play it like, a, like any sort of musical instrument, other musical instrument you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, like, I, I can't, unfortunately, I can't even make the comparison because I don't, you know, have any formal training in music. I don't know how to read music. Um, everything's just by ear. Everything's just by ear. Yeah. And, you know. You think those other guys studied it? Well, so here's the thing. Like, yes, I think having a formal knowledge of music is, is extremely helpful as a as a DJ because, 
what you what's becoming more and more popular is is being a dj producer like so you're not only you know playing other people's music you're also making your own and so to be like a dj and a producer you need to know how to you know yeah. you, you need to know about the structure the basic structure of music right right yeah well, well uh, whereas when you're always playing other people's music i mean you just you have to know um, you know, by ear, what what sounds good? You know, in terms of uh, maintaining a flow or like transitions between songs, and so you're basically kind of creating a mood, right, right. And so you have, you know, and you know all the songs that you, you know, are are going to play, right, right, right. And so you kind of almost tell a story with with the music, right, right. Unlike the bash or the uh, sorry the uh, wedding DJ with the. Mm. inflatable guitar and the and the yeah, rainbow yeah. mohawk you know yeah for sure for <laughs> sure yeah so uh, uh mike we're getting close to the end of the show believe it or not i think yeah we're getting really close so i just because i had you here i just wanted to do one quick uh dentist story it's okay. uh it's a beauty i i love it i, I loved hearing it he, uh it's a great story so i was hoping you could tell it before the end before it's just just to leave people with some a nice treat Sure. Okay. Um, I, and I'm pretty sure that the story you're talking about um, is uh, when I worked um, in a small town um, in uh, Ontario. Yeah. And um, I had a, a patient who came in with uh, an abscess tooth, so it was, in, you know, infected. Yeah. And uh, probably sore as hell. Yeah. Which is why he was there in the first place, because he's not really wasn't the kind of guy who you know went every six months yeah 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 he's coming in for a problem yeah right and um so anyway so he he's there and uh he's like this older like some type of ex-military kind of guy yeah and um so he says uh like the normal the normal kind of protocol would be to have the patient take antibiotics yeah to like calm the infection down so that you can actually freeze the area and the freezing will take yeah and you'll be able to extract the tooth right uh that's how you normally do it right <laughs> right so not not only do you use lots of freezing you also um put them on a week of antibiotics yeah before you do it before yeah before you do it yeah <laughs> before you even you know look too closely at the tooth right right yeah um and so this guy was very adamant that we take the tooth out that day, like, and without uh, freezing. No freezing. Why would he not want freezing? Uh, I'm not sure, like, exactly what his reasoning would be. Like, uh, what he said to me was, um, I don't believe in that freezing shit. <laughs> Just pull it out. Is <laughs> pretty much what he said. So I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really delve too much deeper into that at the time. So you're basically saying this guy's a real man. This guy's like a man's man. Yeah, this this guy, uh, you know, is, is the kind of guy that you would meet up with in a parking lot and, you know, get into a scuffle with not knowing that this guy is like tough as nails. Yeah, so he's unassuming too. Like he's not a huge guy. Uh, no, he was pretty, like, he was, I don't know, he was, he was pretty, yeah, unassuming. Really, yeah, but just tough as nails. Yeah. So you start, what do you do? You have to do what he says, right? Yeah, so, um, so I say, sure, like, why not? <laughs> so you got to get on top of this guy and no, just yank his tooth out? No, you don't get on top of the guy. Well, how do you get leverage to pull that thing out? 
you don't need a lot of leverage. Really? Um, well, I mean, you do, but you like you you. Anyway, you, you kind of <laughs> you lean into it sometimes, but I mean, you 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 don't need to, you know. Um, well, you got to make it quick too anybody. with this guy, right? Oh, sorry. Well, so anyway, so yeah, so he he, he and I was pretty new at the time actually, so I was pretty nervous, and um, so I started to take this thing out, like you know, and I'm really worried like about hurting the guy, right? And so uh, you know, I keep stopping. And I keep saying, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And so finally one time, like, I stop and I say, are you okay? And the guy looks up at me and he says, will you stop being such a pussy and just take out my tooth? <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, sure, buddy. And so, and I, and I, le- and I just leaned on it, like, yeah, yeah. on the forceps and. Yanked the thing right out. It, and out it came. And what, and. And this guy, like, he really, he didn't even bat an eyelash. Like, it was pretty incredible. Didn't flinch at all. Did did not. You wouldn't even know that, really? that, that, that we had done anything. And you you know that's horrible. You've seen all, all this whole spectrum of that, so you know this is horrible pain. Like, I, I mean, normally when someone comes in with a tooth like that, like, you know, to touch it with their tongue is, like, excruciatingly painful. <laughs> And you just reefed it out without any feeling whatsoever. The guy's like Superman. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Like, and at the end of it all, he pays you, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you, <laughs> like, you, you put him into a horrible pain with no anesthetic, and he gives you. Well, it, like, first of all, if Revenue Canada is listening, he doesn't pay me, he, pay, he pays at the front. Oh right, yeah. Right. So oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get you in any trouble. I love that story though. Like, <laughs> that's in Southern Ontario. There you go. We got real, we got real uh, tough guys here down here, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a few. Yeah, that's still when men are men, they live down here. So, anyways, Mike, we are getting to the end of the show. I just wanted to ask my, my listeners uh, to please uh, keep keep on listening and uh, tell your uh, friends if you want, if you like it, maybe they'll like it too. And uh, please reach out and contact me. Give me an email at uh, livefromthedutchhall at gmail.com. And then and just let me know what you think. If you think there's something we should be doing more, every one of these shows is a little different from the one before. And uh, if you think there's something we should be doing, something you like, something we should do more of, something we should do less of, just give me an email. And, and negative feedback is good, too. I haven't got any negative. It's supposed to be when you go on the Internet, you get all the trolls and everyone tells you you're no good. I want to hear some of those, too, because I think they might be interesting to learn from or at least to make fun of on the next podcast so anyways guys i wanted to thank you again uh mike if you could just turn up that channel three and uh we're gonna see you again next thursday we got jason Ryder coming in and uh it's gonna be a good show so we will see you all next week thanks a lot guys